How's your hangover? Uh, I, I'm, I'm coping. <laughs> if I seem a bit slow, it's because I'm a bit slow. Give me a second. <laughs> uh, it'll, it'll Cater to me a little. Trying to to try, ca- keep trying to draw me up. If you're not getting the right response from me, keep trying to draw me in. I, 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 I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the perfect way to start the show. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Good. Yes, I know who I am. Did I accuse just drop shot? I could have been. I, I have a plan. I like this shit. Dance off, bro. It is your Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week we're back talking about none other than Steven Spielberg. But we're going to be tackling Jurassic Park, the 25th year anniversary. I pitched this to you. But why, Jason? Well, I mean... It's Jurassic Park. I mean, we were going to eventually cover it. And yeah. I was really looking forward to doing it. Uh, the only thing is, is that it kind of... Something happened in my brain when I read an article <laughs> online. But I'm going to play the trailer first. Just so that we can get that out of the way. So we can hit into our discussion. Because this conversation is going to be a strange one. But a fun one. Because we're going to be comparing Jurassic Park to Facebook. The Cambridge Analytica scandal. And social media. And the internet. And all... <laughs> of what can happen when you give technology to people and they don't have any control over it. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Stay tuned. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Fences are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. All right, so welcome back. Jurassic Park, as stated before, is a film directed by Steven Spielberg and stars Laura Dern, Bob Peck, Sam Neill, B.D. Wong, Sam Jackson, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Nattenborough, and Mr. Wayne Knight. So the reason I suggested we do Jurassic Park, you and I, is mm-hmm. because uh, this is the weird way my mind works. So spoiler alert, this will be bending backwards. Yeah, you've, you've already and- told our audience now that this is going to be a subject. This is going to be a topic about social media. Yeah, exactly. Why the fuck are we talking about Jurassic Park, Jason? <laughs> the idea is okay. I'll, I'll have to go way back. This goes back to April. Okay, right. April. I was reading an article uh, on the Wired website. Credit where credits due. Jesse Hempel. Cool. Okay, so Jesse Hempel. This is an article on Wired that came out on April 16th, and the title of the article is uh, "The Zuckerberg Hearings Were Silicon Valley's Debut." And right. this essentially was talking about how you know. 
when Zuckerberg was going through his congressional hearings and all that stuff, how everyone there, everyone that was asking him questions seemed completely disconnected with mm-hmm. what everything was going on. And so this gave Silicon Valley the in they needed to show well, we can hide all the shit that we're doing now because they yeah. have no, I had no they means have no of understanding what the hell to, we're how doing. How to even approach the topic. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And so there was one paragraph that I had that I wanted to read because this is what caught my attention. And the paragraph mm. goes, the hearings were convened because people uh, were concerned about tech. But to the tech industry, they only succeeded in confirming an entrenched conviction. People outside Silicon Valley would have you believe the problem with Facebook is tech when really the issue is our own ignorance. Mm. And so that... Those last three words, our own ignorance, is what really stuck with me. The yeah, fact that right. we have no idea what we're getting into, the same way as what Hammond in Jurassic yeah. Park is. He had no idea but what he was Jason, getting into. Why, why Hammond? Where did that leap come from? <laughs> Hold on. And so his hearings got me thinking about how the technology itself can be misused. How when you give this much power to people you never know what's going to happen with it it can yeah exactly. lead to so many different weird things yeah there's so much fratty almost chaotic one would say well that's it <laughs> well chaos theory there we yeah go. exactly you know so i was looking at these these uh, privacy uh, issues the advertising the fact that these terms and conditions or we're changing our terms and conditions or we're changing our our, our, our privacy settings or whatever mm-hmm. all that started to come up after the whole cambridge analytica affair that's and right. I, I thought it was like you know people were starting to pedal to catch up this idea of trying to legislate something after what yeah, had yeah, happened. after the fact exactly <laughs> you know and i mean if we look at what social media has done all these tools have been really really good for the economy but mm. have they been inherently good for how we interact with people online? yeah exactly uh, just for ourselves in general not even beyond on a social level but also just on a well-being level on a on a, on a day-to-day what we do level <laughs> like yeah you just know, in all I mean, those cases it started leading me to think about what ian malcolm said in the film with scientists being preoccupied with whether or not they could rather than stop and think if they should the creation of something mm-hmm. you know is it necessary do we need these things yeah yeah and just and because that quote is so prevalent and in, in your head that's how you got to jurassic park exactly that, is that, that the, the missing gap for our audience is that exactly the, the you're just like yeah well they, they could do it but should they have done it <gasps> it was Jeff more a question of it was more a question of like if i look at the internet itself as a platform mm-hmm. where we, 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 we flock to, to get information, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we, it was just readily available for us to use the same way as social media was put online readily available for us to use. And so the idea is like, should this have happened at our point in time? Obviously yeah. now we're struggling to catch up to try to legislate. And yeah, we're in, a, we're in and, a thick now. <laughs> we're in the park. <laughs> and it started reminding me of exactly what Jurassic Park is essentially yeah. mm-hmm. a giant platform that is out of control where people are trying to survive online is being being bombarded by advertising or whatever mm. it is you know people that are trying to get their information you know through i don't know if through our phones or visa transactions where you buy your groceries the ads that you check out online before and then it'll pop up on a, on a instagram where you're like hey did you get those fucking raisins you were looking for <laughs> you know or some shit like that where you're like yeah. oh my god you know and i started Starting using this as I was like, I think this could be a really clever metaphor for analyzing Jurassic Park. Looking at it through this lens, how the dinosaurs are the corporations, how the people are trying to manipulate these things to to change, how AI plays into that as well. You know, the idea of, of, of those eggs that Grant finds and says that Malcolm was right when he says life finds a way. You know, how these things are always changing. 
And I thought it would be interesting to get into a conversation and start comparing what has been happening, you know, when we're given these platforms and we just kind of, they just run rampant and then end up putting us in yeah, somewhat yeah, quote unquote danger. What we were already told in Jurassic Park and are now living with. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, it just had an epiphany. I was sitting down on the couch and I was like, I looked at my girlfriend and I was like, you know, this Facebook shit that's going on. I sounded like a crazy person. Yeah. That's usual. I think it's that's what Jurassic theory. Park is about. <laughs> it's I just what it's like what talking to you every day. About. <laughs> you know what? Like, Facebook is like the dinosaur movie. <laughs> it's like, it's all right, exactly I can see. I can see where the conversation kind of died that night. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't sleep on the couch, but she just looked at me and said, yeah, look. "I'm going to bed now." Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that seems uh, pretty reasonable. But that's it. It was kind of weird because I, you know, I, I, I was thinking about how all that happened. Anyway, so I wanted to get into it, and I'm going to start with just I want to put an image in your head once they get to Jurassic Park. There's a famous shot of the Jeep backing up and the door opening in front of the camera and you see the logo for Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. Spick and span, nice and clean. And at the end of the film, we have a reverse angle of that. The door opens or the door's there and the symbol is just filled with dirt, mud. It's Mm -hmm. all dirty and ugly and all that. And I love how Spielberg was wise enough to bookend the film with those two contrasting images. The idealism... Versus the reality yeah. of what actually happens at Jurassic Park. And the funny thing is, is that for me, did anybody stop and think about how powerful the internet was as a tool mm-hmm. and what, what people would be using for it? Social media is another way of looking at it as well. You know, did you know people just put this thing online and they're like, oh, well, you know, idealistically, everyone's going to be looking at it as that original Jurassic Park symbol with not a scratch. No mud, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, once corporations get involved, advertising gets involved, and people with, I won't say bad intentions or anything like that, but people have intentions. You know, there's a reason yeah. why a lot of society has been separate. You know, it's, it's one mm-hmm. of it's because people don't get along. <laughs> I mean, you just, it's one we of those things. We haven't figured it out yet. We haven't, we haven't worked out the perfect solution to get along. Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, that, that initial tour, once they actually kind of go into the park is very much a representation of everyone's initial awe at the possibilities that the internet represents mm-hmm. or represented mm-hmm. at the time, you know, and I can testify to this because I remember the internet being introduced into my home. I think it was in 1994, wow. roughly around that time. It's a bit, and, bit earlier, a bit early on, early adapters. <laughs> yeah, 94, 95. I remember like we had a Pentium 133. Dad had just bought this computer. It would heat up the entire room almost. <laughs> we, 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 and, had, we had computers since no time, but we'd never had internet until I think about 2001. Okay. No, no, I remember like I was I was 14 or 15 years old when Dad decided, okay, it's time to get the internet. And, you know, we'd have to mm. dial up and it was one of those things where you'd pick it up. And oh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on the internet? I need to make a phone call. You know, some <laughs> shit like that. I, I went through all that. But I remember going on to the internet and I thought going on to the internet would be an experience. And mm. I was underwhelmed. You just clicked it and it was there. And you're like, what is this? Well, you just punch something in and it's supposed to give you results. But you, you have to provoke it in a way, you know? And yeah. I felt like mm-hmm. that initial tour inside Jurassic Park, once they go through the doors, you know, they're next to the uh, Dilophosaurus uh, pen and there's nothing there. And you're like, okay. And then they go to the Tyrannosaurus paddock and they have to kind of give it the goat, but nothing really happens because uh-huh. there's like bugs in the system. You know, things aren't necessarily working. And every time I kind of logged on to do whatever, 
I didn't really do anything. It seemed so idle and non-threatening. It was mm. just there. If we fast forward the 25 years since that time in the advent of social media, I think people are now starting to realize what's at stake. Yeah. All the information that's there. Like, it's like the park has gotten completely out of control. Exactly. I think, I think it's interesting how we could premeditate what was going to happen with the with the internet and social media just from the messages in Jurassic Park. Yeah. And that we really should have seen a lot of what happened coming. I guess it was because the film was not about social media, but about dinosaurs. <laughs> but yeah. it's interesting, I think. And I think that's what's exciting about what we're going to do in looking at this is draw little parallels between the, the elements that exist today and... And what the characters in Jurassic Park are up against. And see how essentially the cautionary tale to that fear of technology is still going to be haunting us even beyond social media. Straight to our next big venture which is automation. I mean automation has been slowly uh, eating away at the sort of working class life for the longest time already. But automation is the, the next biggest hurdle right after this current hurdle which is how do you live with social media. And Jurassic yeah. Park is premeditating that as well. So I guess by focusing on that now, maybe we can try and preempt a later disaster. Oh, more, <laughs> more. I, that's awfully lofty. Let's just sort of more look to the film and hope <laughs> that by sort of seeing what they they were doing with the writing and, and the work, that we can actually sort of draw some parallels and hopefully make sense of a good cautionary tale. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's it. The only thing is, is that even if they have these really great ideas for, for you know, I'd say the advancement of technology, we're not going to shy away from saying that, you know, Zuckerberg did revolutionize the way people communicate. Absolutely. I mean, you know, email was one thing, but he took it a step so much farther. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I feel like the issue after that is when people like Gennaro, the lawyer, start stepping in and he sees the dinosaur for the first time, He's not in awe of the creation of the yeah. thing. His immediate thought is we're going to make a fortune with this place. That's where the issue is, is when these people start getting involved. And even at that conversation at the table, when I, I pointed out, you know, the, the, what Malcolm was talking about, you know, he says that they didn't stop to think if they should. Hammond says to Gennaro that the park isn't catered to the super rich. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and then Gennaro just brushes that off by saying, yeah, oh, we'll we're have just going to have a coupon, have a day. coupon <laughs> day. We can charge whatever we want, $2,000 a day, $10,000 a day, and people are going to pay it. Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, I'm going to base myself on on the social network for what I know about Zuckerberg. And I'm pretty sure that he's brushed that off is that that's not really what happened. But I think that with Facebook, his initial intention wasn't necessarily to make money, but really to connect people. And I think that Hammond's initial intention is also that. You know, he yeah. wanted to bring families together under a place where everyone could have something really cool to look at. He's trying to create an adventure, mm -hmm. you know. He's not – yes, he's trying to market something. You know, he talks about key demographics and that's one of the things that I was a little bit dumbfounded by is like, oh, look. He clearly says that the target audience is going to be kids. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that, that's one of those things where you're trying to invest in, in the future, but in a way where it's going to make you money. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go get the adults. The adults are going to have to be conned into this through their kids. That's targeted advertising in a way as well. True. And I think that even if the initial intentions of these individuals is very positive, it's just that you can't trust everybody around. And it's just it's just going to devolve into some weird beast. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's quite telling uh, and it's quite... Uh... It shows how well Hammond was written that they, they include those little touches because it's, it's his naivete and his, his removal from how the world works 
that ultimately uh, leads to the disaster that is Jurassic Park. Because the idea, the intentions of basically inspiring awe in people and, you know, giving them something to, to wonder about and something to relate to yeah. is, is well-intentioned. But what they're very cleverly done is also show how he wants, he, in his mind, he, he wants it to be something for children because yeah. that's the most impressionable, not from an advertising, he might have some basis in marketing, but he's clearly a rich guy who just spends money. It's, it's more that he knows that they'll get the same reaction he does when he thinks about Jurassic Park, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the danger is that he doesn't see the, and, and people like the people in Zuckerberg's position tend not to see is how this unlimited potential when pointed at certain demographics of people who are, are easy to, when you're trying to get one reaction out of them, you're not just going to get that reaction. You're going to get 10, 15, 20 simultaneous reactions that could all mean different things to different sections of people. And, the thing that has happened with social media is that, yes, idealistically, when we have Facebook in our hands and, and in our pockets and all, and we can bring them to, to school and to work, it is great that you'll you'll always know where your kid is and you'll always be able to call your, your man and get help everywhere. And you're always going to be able to talk to your friends, even though you never got to talk to your friends back when there was no Facebook, you know, when, when you went home for the school day, you didn't see anybody. You know, mm. that's that's incredible. And those are great things. But they have no understanding for the balance that it takes. You know, yeah, no they understanding. never take into consideration the opposite effect. Yeah, exactly. And we're living in that post Jurassic Park world now where we're mm -hmm. kind of in the park where the intentions have birthed this unlimited great resource but and it's so widespread and so idiosyncratic with people that everybody's involved everybody has something or has taken at least a stance to say no i don't want it because i fear it you know there's one or the other but nobody's unaware of it you know and nobody doesn't think that the, the person down the street doesn't also have facebook so it's that widespread but uh, because it's that widespread it's unchecked uh, it can't yeah. possibly be contained. And that's something that happens with Jurassic Park. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that brings me back to what I was saying about our own ignorance. Mm -hmm. That's that's what's on trial right now. When I was listening to that and looking at the, the, the congressional hearings and all that stuff and bringing that parallel to Jurassic Park, I was like, holy shit, we know nothing. We know nothing about any of these things. <laughs> and it's really funny because I'm like... I'd love to understand a little bit more of that. And I yeah. feel a little bit stupid most of the time when it comes to these things, especially when dealing with computers and how mm -hmm. that works. But uh, before we get into any of these things, what I want to do is I wanted to draw the parallels of how you can interpret the film as, as this cautionary tale for what actually happened. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, exactly. we did it with our, uh, in season three when we were talking about, um, minority report, you know, how these systems are, are very much a hotbed for corruption. Yeah. If we look at, you know, there's these people that are somewhat similar in the film. You'll have Dennis Nedry, who's essentially a, a vilified version of John Hammond. He sees mm -hmm. what he can do with Jurassic Park. And this is what happens when you can see things. He's greedy and he, he sees it as a financial gain the same way as the lawyer yeah. does. Uh, he's now, tasked to control it as well. You know, that's and it's interesting that they put the person who has the most control over it into the villain seat. You know, yeah. because look at how easy it is to lock people out of that system when you have control. And that's the that's the interesting part, because his his counterpart is going to be Mr. Arnold, who understands computers, but is still struggling to catch up with Nedry. Mm -hmm. You don't know who's in the right seat at any given time. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so what I started doing after that is starting piecing together a little bit of who would be playing what role. And I came to the conclusion that the dinosaur itself... 
you know, is kind yeah. of funny because it would be a representation of the corporations that have started to eat away at consumers. Mm-hmm. And what okay. happens when that, that part gets out of control in this case? So I, I started looking at, you know, the T-Rex is just like what we, we, we're, we see the egg at the beginning, which is the fruit of an idea. And it's a little velociraptor. And you can see Grant, who's looking at the egg, and he's, like, petting the velociraptor. And he's going, like, you bred raptors. And, <laughs> you know, Mr. Wu just goes, like, yep. You know, he doesn't even say anything. He just nods. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Grant, you can see that he's a little bit more measured, you know. Um, yeah, from that point onwards. He's like, you, I can see the idea. I'm taken aback by the idea. But at the same time, I see the potential problem with what's going on here yeah yeah and i love mm-hmm. that imagery because then you'll have the 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 gradation of what the dinosaurs can do you know you'll have the ones that are going to be completely non-threatening like the uh, uh brachiosaur that we see and mm-hmm. we also see mm-hmm. the gallimimus who are just basically these these you know, i don't know if gallimimus yeah. hunts or anything like that i'm not yeah but they're I'm basically a, like gazelles <laughs> yeah exactly they're just running around but then you'll have the hunters you'll have the mm-hmm. guys like, like the, the velociraptor and the t-rex the t-rex being Something that was small at one point that grew up and just takes over everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, look at how, you know, and, oh, and by the way, I need to say that we're not saying that Zuckerberg is the person in, you know, anybody who controls any form of social media. Yeah, pick no, Jack we're, 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 we're generalizing and uh, yeah. I'll, be coming, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up a couple of more general things later to, to point further fingers, but we're not just talking specifically about Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just using him as the prime example because everyone knows who that guy is. Yeah, there absolutely. What I thought was cool is if you look at the T-Rex attack on the Gallimimus, I mm-hmm. feel like that's the larger corporations that are destroying smaller companies you know so they're either eating them up buying them out out advertising them and all that stuff you know and mm-hmm, then you'll mm-hmm. have the commoners the people that are just there it's kind of watching this happen and just be like okay we're gonna have to take cover we're gonna try to quote unquote stay private if you will but they're only hiding yeah. behind a log if ever they decide to move then they're they're fucked they have no idea what the hell where to hide you know they're out in the open now and i felt that that out in the open was a little bit of symbolic of what actually happened with regards to uh, the 2016 election, the idea that our, you know, just by answering a yes or no question, all yeah. of your information was out in the open. Given to you know, someone you're being, you've never heard of. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And as the funny thing is, is that, you know, even with our ad blockers and even with our, our, our VPNs and stuff like that, we're still able to be tracked most of the time. Mm-hmm, we think mm-hmm. we're hiding, but at the same time, a lot of it is out in the open. That t-rex the idea that its vision is based on on um on movement you're like well shit how how still can i stay for for any given time because as soon as i move there it is it's going to come get me yeah you know so essentially as soon as you turn on your phone you're bombarded with with advertising (laughs) wherever the hell you go you know i'll give you an example i'm i've been playing boggle online with my girlfriend Mm-hmm. And I also happen to collect Star Wars. Now, those two things aren't related. Now, no. if I decide to go on Amazon.ca to check and see, like I was looking for um, uh, Revenge of the Sith Obi-Wan mm-hmm. just the other day. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool. How much is he here? I found one in town. He's about 60 bucks. If I go on Amazon, how much? Oh, I see someone selling him for 80 and other ones for 90. That means they're shipping. You have to... Anyway, I end up playing my Boggle game, and lo and behold, what the fuck shows up? You know, less than 10 (laughs) hours later, a fucking ad for Obi-Wan. And I was like, Jesus Christ, guys. Wow. (laughs) Give me a minute, you know? And so there's that dinosaur hunting me down again, trying to come get me for where I am. I'm in the comfort of my own home, and they're Mm -hmm. in there now. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's and so, so and, it's, and it's interesting as well that you bring up the Grant's reaction once he once he sees it's a Velociraptor because that very much echoes how most people. It almost it's almost like Spielberg gives away exactly the turning point where you become aware, and yeah. uh, that almost feels like a parallel to what that experience was, where it opens your eyes and makes you realize that there's potentially a, a threat to having this in your in your life. Is yeah. is just a moment of awareness where you recognize something. You know, you can be mm-hmm. caught in the awe of a system, but the moment you see something familiar that you see as a threat, yeah. you immediately become more reserved and more measured. And so it's interesting. So they use the Velociraptor in that, in, in the baby Velociraptor in that case, just the idea of what uh, what uh, a dinosaur could be, what a corporation would be in our in our metaphor. But mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing that happens when you you see something that you want sneak into your your mobile phone game, you know, that you've mentioned somewhere. You know, it it's creepy and and it makes you go like, well, I would if somebody came up to me in the street and told me like I have that toy you want, I'd freak out, you know. So yeah, that, <laughs> it's exactly. the same thing. That's it's so the same good, reaction. Man, I love that. And that that's great because it brings up Muldoon. You know, the mm. idea that when he's hunting the Velociraptor, He's just there pointing in one direction. And after that, the thing comes out of nowhere to hunt him. <laughs> and you're like, I wasn't expecting that. You know, clever girl. And you're like, yeah, clever yeah. corporation. You guys are just nah, using all my like, data now. <laughs> that's like that, that's like something like, yeah, like debt collection. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, uh, a lot of this also like, you know, I, um, you know, people were talking about uh, how social media companies and even like uh, Google and whatever, they're, they're all using data and they're all using AI now in order mm-hmm. to kind of. Uh, compiled data in order to get you to study a little bit of what not necessarily what you're doing as well but i mean like what corporations are doing they're studying all the information now i'm not well versed in all this you probably realize this by now but i'm trying my best (laughs) (laughs) now the idea of ai okay ai itself when they're trying to do it they're developing these algorithms in order to better themselves um and to adapt to any given environment they're going to be put in now Mm -hmm. look what happened post the Cambridge Analytica scandal. How many are terms and privacy things have changed? How many messages did you get from whether it's Snapchat, Google, uh, Facebook, Twitter, you know, Instagram, that yeah. fucking mm-hmm. thing where you just, you, you forgot to unsubscribe because you don't buy DVDs anymore. <laughs> Everyone was changing their terms and conditions and privacy settings and all that shit. Mm-hmm. I think that that was interesting. If you put it in the context of Jurassic Park, the idea of playing with DNA, that strand. Mm. And it got me thinking about how lines of code are written in computers and how AI is used and how manipulating certain aspects will yield results that may seem good in the moment, but may transform and shift into larger issues in the end. Yeah, and we see that. We see exactly that in the film with regards to Samuel Jackson's character being faced with the wall that is is Dennis Nedry's code and essentially yeah. like okay uh, uh, you've been uh. locked out now yeah exactly it's like okay so you it's just a line of code you got to take out somewhere and he's like yeah yeah how long is that going to take and he's like two years something like that yeah it's like there's two million lines of code and you're like yeah. fuck how is he supposed <laughs> exactly. to get through that exactly so um, that's that that I think that that fits really well you see in DNA and code both in the film and you see how these structures start to form themselves and they look like they're 
they, they have the face of benefit because they're your security in the park. Yeah. But actually, they're going to be eaten away and at some point blocking you out of the things that you want and, and are used to to take you to, to do all that for you without your permission, you know? And that's interesting. Exactly. And I think that that's good. It points to two things that I really want to, you know, gravitate towards with regards to AI. And it's the idea of control, where I'm going to talk a little bit about Hammond. Mm-hmm. And it's also the fact that life finds a way, you know, what Malcolm is so very much prophetic about. Mm-hmm. And I'll go with the idea of control first. You know, the idea that Hammond, when he's talking to uh, Ellie, uh, just after Ellie has been, um, she, she's inside the compound now. Hammond is having uh, something to eat, and she has some a bit of ice cream. They have this conversation about a flea circus. The idea that you know it, it was just an empty thing with yeah, animatronics an and whatnot. There's an illusion the entire time. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was great is that no matter how much Ellie is trying to hammer the point home that that control was an illusion, mm-hmm. he keeps doubling down and he says, "When we have control of this," and it brings me back to that terms and conditions and you know our privacy yeah settings. yeah it feels like he's saying when we get the proper legislation then everything will fix itself exactly and then ellie says you never had control that's the illusion and so she says no matter how much legislation you decide to pass the monster has a life of its own now you can't control it it was never in control. Once it was out there, people could do whatever the fuck they wanted with it. Exactly. And yep. I thought that was incredibly prophetic, which brings me back to the AI and the fact that algorithms adapt. Mm-hmm. That's the life finds a way. It's it's the same quote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the AI makes this social media or whatever thing that you guys are using, it makes it possible to find a way to perpetuate itself. Mm-hmm, and if it's mm-hmm. left unsupervised, we see it now. That it could lead to potentially disastrous consequences. It is fucked up. Yeah, I love exactly. this movie so much because and of it, that. And it's it's <laughs> it's trying to implement that control after the fact. That's catching yeah. people off guard, and that's what I think Ellie's trying to say is like, you never had control, and at this point, you never can have control because it's spiraled too far away. You know, there's yeah. that idea that, um, and I think. Now I'm I'm generalizing here, so give me give me give me some due diligence, <laughs> but. Um, you know, okay. there's the famous uh, sort of economist, uh, Esther Bozerup. She had the sort of idea that, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And so when she was kind of a counteraction to uh, Thomas Malthus, who is another sort of economist philosopher, they both looked at essentially population. And yeah. uh, Malthus, to overgeneralize his point, was that, you know, basically take caution with how the fact that all these systems, like, like all these growth systems end up making a surplus for population, which will mean... Mm-hmm less resources which will kill us you know or affect people badly down the line it's gonna happen yeah. and Bozera her necessity as the mother of invention standpoint was essentially when things get shit we'll fix it you know <laughs> like down the line doesn't matter if it's already you know it, 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 population's gonna be a problem uh, but when it, when people start getting hurt somebody will step in you know and it's <laughs> you know and it's it's it's, it's oh, a super optimistic outlook on life but it's interesting to see how we still live by that you know the even just put it on the other things we still look that way about like environmentalism and stuff like that with regards to yeah. like the, uh, the pollution and stuff but uh in in terms of this we're seeing that like it's already all out there it's in everybody's pockets and homes and it's already proven that it can fuck up entire systems like government <laughs> 
and oh man, yeah, which yeah. is insane to think that, but it, it actually had a hand to play in that, which is insane. But when it gets to that point, and then you're going, well, now we just need to exercise more control. It's the exact same as what happens in Jurassic Park. It's like they're already in the middle of the storm. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can't exercise control when you've already fucked up. You know, and, uh, the only the only thing is to ditch is is what the film ends up saying. You know, you can sort of level it back enough to you can escape and then reassess maybe but you need to sort of do more than implement incremental changes one by one to fix a problem you need to take a little more action and what really you should have done was be preventative in nature not jump in and push this on to everybody right and so that's what's great about the film i feel is that it's it's such a great cautionary tale because it's so applicable to that exact problem that we still face is that we often just do it <laughs> you know all the time <laughs> And I mean, I'm glad that you brought that quote up because necessity is the mother of invention. You can look at, uh, you can bring Malcolm's quote back into it. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't stop to think if they should. Was it necessary for them to actually do that? Was it necessary for us to have all these things? Yes, it's great to have them, but is it necessary? Uh And it also brings me back to a quote that I have from Michael Crichton, the guy who actually wrote Jurassic Park. And one of the things that he had in his mind when he was writing it is this. He says, there was no pressing need to create dinosaurs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So people did it out of a want for entertainment. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what social media is now? Yeah. What the internet is? I think internet is not used as a tool as much as I'd like to think that it's used. Yeah. It has you its know? uses, obviously, you know. Yeah, it's it definitely great, but definitely I mean, like it changes our our nature as consumers, which we've been for a long time, you know. Yeah. Uh and so it, it streamlines a lot of processes like that, but does it necessarily and is in in the abundance of power it grants each user is that step necessary is that amount of power necessary is that amount of control over your and there and they're in lack of control over what you're putting out there all necessary or could it have just have stopped when we could text our friends you know (laughs) you feel like you you feel like you jump a few steps when you're not just texting people but you're also putting out wide statuses to be read by your schoolmates from 23 years ago that you haven't seen since but their name you remember you know that kind of shit like to (laughs) what end does that is that really serving other than as a like a, a public journal and it's interesting because maybe there, there, there's definitely little bits and pieces like mental health wise and stuff like that. that, that these things definitely yeah. could be helping, you know, definitely in ways we were, we could be overgeneralizing and saying that it has too little use for the amount that it gives you, the amount of tools that you have. Yeah. I, I think that's true, but it's, it's not to say that all those tools are useless no. to someone, you know? It's it's just that, does nah. everyone need all of them? <laughs> I know you have something to say about Luddites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't want us to sound like Luddites. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's a good, that. this is a good point to jump in on that, just to clear our own <laughs> names, because we don't want to... Exactly. We don't want to seem like... I just, to me... Because I am I absolutely, wanted... I am, I am in the, as, as a lifelong consumer, I am pro-technology, I am pro-advancement. Yeah, so am I. I just... Like Jurassic Park points out, you know, you want to make sure it's necessary. (laughs) But although I'm going to be talking um, a little bit about the Luddites, it's mostly about our misunderstanding and how this actually comes up in Jurassic Park itself. But apologies if if, if this conversation is all sounding a little Brave New (laughs) (laughs) World-esque. It's not entirely the intention I'm going for. <laughs> Neither am I. I mean, I love this technology. The thing is, is that like I, we're, like we've been saying since the beginning, this is a fun metaphor, 
And, yeah. a, and a fun warning, like Spielberg again, a little bit ahead of his time, playing yeah. with the Frankenstein story and saying, "Hey, careful what you create out there." Exactly, exactly. It it, it does he does good fearing people, not technology. <laughs> and I'll I'll talk about that as well because uh, it's in the film. But yeah, so what interested me was Hammond actually reprimands Malcolm for his like quote luddite approach. Yeah, when he when we're at that lunch table, where most of the great philosophy of the of the of the film, the cautions all kind of kick off in that scene and Malcolm does his sort of reeling speech that has triggered this entire conversation in your head uh, but what's funny is Hammond's dismissal of it by saying he's he's a Luddite especially uh, in reaction to how Malcolm describes Hammond as a kid with, who's found his dad's gun it's yeah. very much he's registering that as you fear technology you fear this progress and that's interesting this works in a number of ways because the actual term for Luddites is a, that we know today is a common misconception um, okay the, the Luddites themselves were a 19th century sort of rebellion ac- activism from okay. from from a sort of anonymous group of, of laborers uh, who were protesting against in the middle of the industrial revolution machines coming into like textile factories workshops uh and essentially doing people out of jobs especially artisans who were skilled at their work and particularly precise with their their craft were getting replaced by indelicate oh, machines i know where you're going with this okay cool right so and uh, it's funny so the what happened is the luddites mission was to invade factories and destroy the machines you know that's that's what they did and and that that term luddite that we come today is somebody who fears technology yeah. to the point where they want to dismiss it and destroy it okay but that's not actually yeah. true but it is telling as a side note from hammond's perspective that he buys into that reading right uh, because okay. what's being told to him isn't that you know what what malcolm's actually talking about is 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 that measured approach and he's actually criticizing not the technology but the man behind it exactly you know okay and that's exactly what the luddites were about you know in reality the luddites didn't actually fear technology they feared how it would be used by people the, the destruction of the machines and i've got a feist article uh it was written by brian merchant yeah it's a good article called what you it's something like what you don't understand about the luddites or we all got we all misunderstand the luddites but yes it's on feist and he he quotes uh historian ej hobsham and says a quote that the actual intention of the luddites was collective bargaining by riot. Essentially in a time pre-unions, or where unions were hard to organize due to a crushing uh, control of society by the government at that point, um, these sort of organized activists didn't really have much choice in terms of rebellion against these the, the practices of people. And in general, they were fearing that the cheaper to operate machines weren't just going to kick people out of their jobs, but we're going to be used to sneak around like labor practices and, and stuff like that, you know? And right. So it was very much just protective of uh, the, the labor class at the time. Yeah. And Merchant himself describes their actions as a nuisance factor, essentially because they couldn't strike. Well, they could strike. Okay. Everybody can strike. But the thing is, with the job market as desperate as it was at the time, people would come in and just, you know, they would they would easily take their jobs and work for less, you know, right. and, and they'd be happy to work with the machines. So it didn't actually, it just lost people. It would just lose their jobs. And that wasn't the idea. They were trying to protect jobs. So a strike didn't achieve anything. And what was more effective was destroy the machine because then instead of working around the strike, the factory was forced to halt. 
and not simply halt the workers' load, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so the actual intention was to destroy the technology, not because they feared technology, but to halt the, the practices that were driving the technology's implementation. And that's exactly with regards to the film. It's interesting that Hammond brings this up, because really, Malcolm is taking that approach. He's saying that the man in charge, which is... Hammond, yeah. Yeah, and, and also the lawyer, he doesn't trust them. And the way he describes their practices is exactly right. They are kids with the dad's gun it's you didn't earn the technology you know you're just using it and you're selling it you're selling it as he bangs the desk (laughs) (laughs) you know uh and he slaps it exactly the practices don't all add up and he doesn't understand the 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 necessity for what their action is that's interesting because we also see where he where malcolm embodies more towards the luddite idealism because he does agree with the condor idea you know uh hammond comes back to him and says if we started cloning condors you wouldn't have a problem. Condors are going extinct. They're an endangered animal. Uh, and he's, he, yeah. but, but Malcolm does the right response there. He's, he immediately says, yeah, no, that's man's fault. Yeah. You know, that's it's, us. It's our impact we, on what that's happened. That's how we fucked with nature, but the dinosaurs had their chance. You know, yeah. that was nature selecting them to die. You know, so it's different from fearing technology in the same way because he, he's okay with cloning if it's to make up for things that, you know, you can understand the rationale for replacing condors, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but you can't understand the rationale for making a theme park for dinosaurs, exactly. You know, like, this, <laughs> the jump in logic is insane, and it's easy to side with Malcolm on that part, because they're just like, look at the... It's cool and all, but look at the people behind us. Where is your ration? Where, what What's driving you to make this leap? Uh, so, regards to social media and, and on automation, again, which is going to be the next thing it's a pretty similar comparison that technology is in shaky hands and we can see that today so we were already talking about mark zuckerberg we could talk about jack dorsey the guy at twitter who at time of recording is currently sort of taking a backlash about his approach to taking right-wing extremist hate speech info wars yeah. off the platform following suit with Others like Facebook and all as an action against mm-hmm. that type of hate speech. YouTube and you all. You know, that. so again, it's the shaky hands. Uh, the, the guys who own Google and are currently in a lawsuit with the EU the, uh, because of unfair legal practices in regards to advertising their own materials. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's, that's again exhibiting a lack of control or exhibiting too much control. Depends how you look at it. Uh, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, it's poor working conditions. People aren't getting paid enough at Amazon. It's a huge protest at the moment. Uh, again, this will all be sort of dated, but these, these things are going to be repeating themselves over and over again in time. There'll be yeah. different issues under different names, but the, all the same issues under different names. So these are just the ones that today. And again, like even like sort of less control based things like YouTube, which again, everybody has sort of approach to you know, have the widespread community damage due to unfair rates. Per their constantly changing algorithms, which are yeah. hurting creators that they lured into their platform and then have now started to hurt. And it's come to some extreme ends. Like we, we had that, that, that case where that, that, that woman actually attacked a YouTube headquarters. And yeah. as far as we could tell, her rationale for that is that she wasn't getting paid enough by her employer, which was YouTube. You know, that, that's, that's what I mean. That's the, those advancements went unchecked to get to that point where it's in everybody's hands and ungoverned. That's where we lead to the fake news, to the distancing from facts, to 
to mask capitalist control with little oversight to protect people. And that's exactly what the Luddites were afraid of. And that's exactly that their approach was in protest of the hands. <laughs> but I, it's interesting because I think Jurassic Park also brings us a sort of light through it because it to show how much it isn't a Luddite kind of film, it shows us somebody who uses technology. You're going to Alex. To solve, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Uh, she, she, Lex uses technology to save everybody, you know? And that's, that's, I don't think that's, uh, an accident by any stretch of the imagination. That, but that was a countermeasure to those criticisms about being overly conservative, uh, overly fearful towards technology. You know, the funny thing about Lex is they call her Lex throughout the film, right? Mm hmm. All right, let's compare that to Clockwork Orange. If we look at the the Latin, Lex means law. Yeah, okay. And so Alex in Clockwork Orange is lawless. So if Lex means <laughs> no, law that, in yeah. Jurassic Park, she's Maybe. actually obeying the way that things are supposed to be. She's yeah. the lawful one. Brilliant. It's kind of cool. I like that in the name. That's such a cool touch. <laughs> but it's, exact, it's, it's exactly that role she plays. She mm-hmm. is informed by the technology that is her passion. She is a, quote, hacker. <laughs> Even though her, her job is to open files <laughs> in the film. <laughs> and yes, potentially the most complicated file searching network ever designed. But yeah. You know, Let's like, compare the two hackers in Nedry and Lex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Lex is coding, Lex is clicking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Browsing. I call her a browser. But she has, unlike everybody else in that scenario, she is informed enough about the system that she can break into it and help them escape from right. the, the, the terror around them. And I mean, that has to that has to be in the film to counteract the fact that the entire story is not just warning against technology out of control but also how people control that technology with nedry and how they use it to spiral the dangerous and unchecked advances into some sort of catastrophic disaster scenario and then and that's exactly what lex is the countermeasure to she protects people with with technology and uses that and so the film wants to be clear that yes advancement is necessary and useful it, it would be insane to say jurassic park which at the time was the most expensive looking, best fucking use of CG and, and props in a film. Yeah. You know, it, it, one of the biggest blockbusters of its day, specifically for the visual treat that was to watch it, yeah. would be a little fucking contradictory, even, even in our, in our already pre-established contradictory Spielberg st- statement, yeah. <laughs> would be really fucking ballsy of it to say technology, uh, is, is wrong. You know, we should never have technology and take a real, as we've come to know the Luddite approach to this. Uh, mm. it's, it's, it's necessary to, to, to measure itself. And it's, and it's aware that progress is important and useful and actually helps us when measured and when in the hands of people who are only doing it to help people, but also have a certain control over it, like Nedry, you know? So we're seeing an example here that's different from Hammond's, uh, un- unchecked, uh, ambition. With also the manipulative nature of Nedry, Lex is in between where she has the ability, but she also has an ambition to help people, you know? And that's where Spielberg is kind of giving us a person, an idealist person, granted, and and probably more emblematic of of, of something closer to like a little democratic party sort of thing, you know, like they want, they want, it's, it's embodied with Lex, but it's more likely they want a set of hands, not just one hand. But the type of person is someone who understands the system, but understands its drawbacks, you know, fears it as well, you know. 
And that's what we get in Lex. We get someone who's afraid of the dinosaurs, but uses the technology to save everybody from them. And that's a brilliant and good approach, especially because we do have characters who, like Malcolm, who I think kind of overstep a little. Because uh, he, technically he's part of the problem. Because, and to draw it with social media, right? We're on Twitter, mm. uh, sort of. It, it depends on the It depends on the month. Uh, but we have a Twitter account for this show at time of, of recording. <laughs> and, uh, it's interesting to see constant debates come up uh, about, you know, government, government and, and whoever's in charge at, at, at the present and stuff like that and changes in law mm. and, and, and to see how exaggerative even people in the right can be, you know, people who are just looking out for yeah. the little person can over the like, catastrophize what's happening and raise the importance of it to lose their control of the conversation you mm-hmm. know yeah now this and i think that's a great example of where this person exists in jurassic park is with malcolm because he doesn't he's he's right right like he's right about the dinosaurs from the start he fears yes. them and rightly so he calls Hammond out and he's totally right but he ends the speech with a, a tirade on discovery the nature of discovery and okay here's where i think he goes too far you know because he goes from caution to absolute rejection of a concept and that he describes discovery as the rape of the natural world and that's yeah he goes a little far, super okay. overblown you know for what he's trying to say and here's the thing mag- this is called magnification a magnification like this placing more importance on an act than necessary just leads to people questioning your point's validity and in the world today, we have exactly that problem. When you overstate what your issue is and your defense of it, you actually end up being easier to de-check or people can't process it and will eliminate it as a fear because it's too ambitious in itself, you know? Right. And I think that social media has, has unveiled that that's how a lot of people think. And I mean, it's classical debate, right? You, you exaggerate to to try and to to win an, an argument but those tactics are exactly the kind of tactics that Hammond uses and those tactics are, and the lawyer and those tactics don't it works for them because it's all manipulation but if you want to be honest with people you have to be actually honest with them you can't yeah. overstate a case so while it's useful in sense for deception it's utterly useless for calls to reason because it seeks an equivalent reaction to what you're giving out and if anything is going to trigger either involuntary defense people will get their backs up like Hammond does like oh, you're a Luddite, or depression, you know, detachment from the the subject. Not rationale. That's not what's going to happen when you want to respond to to a Malcolm who's coming at you about your rape of the natural world. You're just going to dismiss the conversation. It's like, oh, this guy is going overboard. And think of how many articles like you you flick through every day on your your news app or on Twitter. And you just see when, yeah, when you see that clickbait, you start to register like I don't have to pay attention to even the grain of truth that sparked that story because they're overselling it, you know, and that's what they yeah. have to do because they're it's a consumerist market for them. They have to get people to read their paper in order to sell and keep their jobs. But for people trying to get that rationale, it's less sexy, admittedly, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't make a call to reason if it's clickbait. <laughs> No, you know, because people dismiss it, dismiss it out, outright, and that, we do it every day. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just funny how all that, all those elements are in Jurassic Park, and you can read them so clearly. And that's why I think it's such a good idea to bring this up with regards to social media, because even little tiny conversations and little tiny changes like that can have exact 
one-to-one replications in where we are and what we see every day. And I mean, it's nothing new. It's just more, you know. But, I mean, like, there's yeah. been clickbait. There's been tabloid media for God knows how long. <laughs> you know, like we've always had this. It's just in your face every day. More of it. You know, and that's what's kind of raising our backs. It's not because we fear the technology. It's because we, it's because we know that it's it's different from how we remember it, and it's it's more imp- oppressive than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that brings me back to like Frankenstein, what yeah. I was talking about a little bit earlier. I have two quotes here. I'm going to read them to you. And I mean, we're talking about how Jurassic Park informs a lot of what we're going around, what's going on right now with how mm-hmm. we're, we're treating technology. And we'll, I'll, I'll read these two quotes and you'll see that even technology is talking about, you know, its own self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, right. All right. And I have one right here that actually goes in line with what Malcolm was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that Hammond did not earn it. And we have yeah. Victor Frankenstein talking and he says, The astonishment which I had at first experience on this discovery soon gave place to delight and rapture after so much time spent in painful labor to arrive at once at the summit of my desires was the most gratifying consummation of my toils. But this discovery was so great and overwhelming that all the steps by which I had been progressively led to it were obliterated and I beheld only the result. What had been the study and desire of the wisest men since the creation of the world was now within my grasp. That's basically what Malcolm is saying to Hammond. To Hammond, yeah. He's absolutely. saying, you didn't earn it. He says, look, everyone was, <laughs> everyone's been doing these technolo- technological advancements for mm-hmm, such a long mm-hmm. time. You're there waiting at the finish line and saying, ha I'm taking everything that you guys have done. And I'm going to just push that extra step farther. Yeah. It was within Hammond's grasp. And what he did is just he went over the line. I think as well, that's 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 funny. Because the line both for Victor Frankenstein and Hammond isn't actually... Like, the, the, the result isn't the end, you know? Like, it's... No. When, when we get to Jurassic Park as we see it in the film... That's not, it's not the start of it. It's not even close to finish. He has plans for six, 12 months down the line, you know, yeah. like, but he's celebrating like he's achieved it already. And that's so funny that they both share that exact trait where the finish line is just the summation of their ambition as they see it. But their ambition is loose and unfinished. And <laughs> it's the exact same thing that comes out when Frankenstein is this disheveled uh, amalgamation of parts and pieces and he's hideous to behold and it's exactly that uh, that embodiment of, of 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 Jurassic Park and it's exactly that that we're trying to get to with the social media thing is that it's just all out there but it's not finished no it look it looks neat <laughs> yeah but it's, you, it's, you haven't it's explored every nook and cranny that there is inside that thing and they're not changing it yet they're just adding more shit into it <laughs> yeah and that's and all that Hammond had had planned. He wasn't going to... F- he wanted more control, but his plans really were... We're going to have extra exhibits, and we're going to have gift shops and shit like that. You know, like, he was just expanding it, you know? But it wasn't It wasn't refining it. And that's yeah. exactly the same with social media. We're getting... We get, like, oh, I got stickers the other day. Oh, what a cool feature. Oh, I can put my Facebook status in purple. You know, like... <laughs> it's like, but yeah, but also somebody has my 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 home address. <laughs> like, what about that part? <laughs> yeah, I like the purple so, thing, but that other that address part still. thing is not good. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's interesting because even this, even Victor. Well, I'll read the quote, and this is from the monster, and he's mm. talking about Victor, and he says, "My father was not scientific, <laughs> and I was left to struggle with a child's blindness added to a student's thirst for knowledge." Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant because this is artificial intelligence speaking. Yeah, yeah. And saying, like, you guys didn't take into consideration everything that was going to happen as a result of my creation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's comparing it to, 
again, if we take that quote of like, you and the lawyer are just the guys that found your father's gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a loaded gun and you don't realize that, you know, you, you see it as a shiny object, but at the same time, you have no idea of what it can do. You have the monsters calling it child's blindness. It's the idea that there's no foresight. Exactly, People can't exactly. see these things coming. They can't there's imagine. The, there's not a rationale behind the, 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 the push, the drive, the, the science behind it, the, the logic behind the decisions doesn't exist. Yeah, and that's interesting and from the creation's perspective. <laughs> I mean, we, this conversation, we, like, we met each other thanks to social me- media, you know, like we are the product. That's the, at, that's before the positive we even get the AI, <laughs> you know, we, we are the product of, so the show is the product of social media. And this, and now the show is turning back to what is created it and saying, let's ask some questions about how we got here, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if we, if we bring it back to the park, you know, the idea that, you know, you'll have the, this AI and Frankenstein's monster saying, you guys had no idea what you're doing. Look at how many bugs in the system that there are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Only like when we go back to the, you know, like I said, terms and conditions and privacy. Look at the park itself. It took one guy to press one fucking button, a little <laughs> bit of a storm that adds to it. The the fences are failing. The food is hard to get. They're sending people out into the wild with these things. They have no idea. They don't mm-hmm. even know how to control those things. Look at how Dennis Nedry, who's the computer guy, is not equipped to survive in the natural environment. Yeah, the moment he steps outside. (laughs) Same thing with Gennaro at the beginning of the film, you know, Mm -hmm. where he's on that raft and he's being pulled in. He's being lured into what this potential can be. But at the same time, he has no idea. All he sees is dollar signs the same way as the other one. And if you look at how we take social media, again, I'm not trying to accuse Facebook or anything like that. We're taking it because it's the most extreme example of what's been in the news. Yeah. If Mm -hmm. we look at what happened... It's basically saying, oh, we forgot to turn on the fences for our security. <laughs> yeah, it's like, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I guess the dinosaurs the, are out. <laughs> the dinosaurs are out. And that's, that's all the corporations. That's all the little yeah. things that we couldn't see coming because we didn't plan for that. Our security system was not beefed up to the point where we thought it was. Yeah. We just basically said, oh, People don't have bad intentions. And, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the issue with that as well is that it's it's too late for accountability. Oh, you yeah. Know? Like, you know, like two two to four years of, of a Trump presidency off the back of, of a fraudulent socially media created scenario yeah. isn't going to stop because they found out it was shady. You know, it's not going to end abruptly like people want it to just because they found out that it was shady, you know. Yeah. And that's exactly it's it's it's. It's in Jurassic Park, the exact same thing happens. Hammond gets in the thing, he says, yes, I won't endorse the park, but he leaves the island. It's still there, you know? It just goes on its own path, you know? It just does its own thing. He gets out, you know? Mm. This Mark Zuckerbergs, they jump off the ship. <laughs> you know, he moves away. He'll move away from Facebook. They always do. They get rich enough. They get tired enough. They go, fuck it. What, what responsibility do I have to this sinking ship? You know? And then it's yeah, just out that. there. Yeah, and before that time comes, he'll have kind of just taken in everything. He'll have eaten everything up around. Look, yeah, look, that's look what I mean. Instagram is owned by Facebook now. WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. Now. Yeah, it's the same. You know, Amazon, everything is owned by Amazon. It's the exact same thing. And yeah. then fucking yeah, there's no accountability for any of that shit. No. So yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because at the start of the film as well. Now here's a subtext to the book Jurassic Park, right. um, which is that essentially the creation of Isla Nubar. The island. It happens off the back of very low immigration labor. Yeah. And what's interesting as well 
is that it kind of that opening shot of everybody shaking over this cage to keep this raptor in and we get this this the, the injury or death of the of this black man uh at the very start of the film now yeah that's a trope in itself absolutely but what's interesting about it is that it's also a, an accurate foretelling of who's first in the order to get eaten by the system you know yeah all, all social media has done at, at, at the moment with regards to mass activism we have seen positive things like hashtag black lives matter and stuff like that there is pushback but we still have organized like like charlottesville this organized lynch mob meeting you know it that's and the, the people who are the targets of that are the people like the black guy at the start of the film just just the laborers or just the the lower class or just the the minorities somebody gets hurt and Hammond isn't accountable. No, you know, we don't get an apology from him or anything throughout Jurassic Park. You know, he just says, I don't endorse the park. People are dead, you know, and exactly the same with social media. It actually does have real life consequences when it's unchecked because people can actually organize these hate rallies and hurt people and kill people. Yeah. You know, that it, it does end up with real life consequences. You can't pretend it doesn't. And that's because nobody took the time to actually think about what they were implementing and what they were giving people the tools to do. You know, there's, oh, there's, there's, there's positive but there's equal if not worse negatives in all these cases and it, it fluxes like that and it's great because you bring that up there is no accountability because there is a line that's in the movie as well when Gennaro says there is a lawsuit from that mm-hmm. worker's family mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. at the same time Gennaro never brings that up again because he's so preoccupied with how much money they're going to make yeah, he'll probably exactly. reach, a, he'll probably reach a settlement he was worried at the start of the film then he sees the dinosaurs and relaxes <laughs> then, then he's but, from there he's giddy about the park <laughs> yeah he's like oh well you know this this the the the, the dead worker will that'll go away we'll have enough yeah. money to just pay them off and shut them up exactly. which is a lot of how this is done you know? yeah that's exactly that's that's the best the accountability can be now but you could you can implement these protectionist ideas beforehand and actually save having to anybody to be involved with this and keep people alive for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah i think that that it, it seems tropish but i think that start of the film does serve a good point because it reads into the subtext of the novel and actually does back up who gets the first punishment in line with regards to this unchecked ambition yeah, you know? I mean, even the loading dock itself, you know, under this reading of the film, you know, as technology mm-hmm, gone wrong, it kind of does look like this giant USB key that's being loaded into something where <laughs> then it comes online. And it's interesting because like most of the people that are there, they think they're prepared with regards to security. Mm-hmm. And look what happens when that raptor unleashes its first steps. It's just a boom. It destroys everything in its path right away. They weren't prepared and they could see it. Just from the beginning of the film, we are not ready for this. Shooter, shooter, exactly. shooter. Like, it, it, it didn't even stay locked in. How, how did they ever think that this park was ready to be yeah, open? exactly. Just I from know. that image, you know? And so, I, I, I don't know. I love, I love looking at it through this lens. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fun way to look at Jurassic Park. And again, I need to specify, we're not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just saying that it's kind of fun that we, kind of fun to point out that we keep repeating these damn patterns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, there's a perfectly functional and well seen, like nobody I know has ever not seen Jurassic Park. So everybody's aware of that cautionary tale, right? Mm-hmm. So how come we keep falling into the same traps? You know, so and that's what I had to I do. Our have to be, own ignorance, Lee. Yeah, well, that that could be it. That's true, and and maybe Jurassic Park, maybe we, you know, films steeped in metaphors of dinosaurs and that kind of technological process. Maybe that's a discussion for another day of when how metaphor doesn't actually work. <laughs> 
That's a good point. Yeah, man. Yeah, I you know, that's, that's like fucking, that's, that's, uh, Plato's Republic. That's what that is. It was like, we gotta get rid of art because it doesn't serve a purpose. No, people don't know what to interpret. People don't know what to do with it. Exactly. I was talking about to Leslie about that the other day, you know, and, and, uh, telling her about how, what I wanted to talk to you about with regards to this film. Mm. And she says, I think this is one of the reasons why I hate literature and film now is because of the level interp- of interpretation involved with this. She mm-hmm. says, it's annoying to me. That, no, I, I, I totally get that. I think that, um, I think what we learned when we started the show and also from the review work we were doing at the time yeah. is that the approach to reviews en masse is really just, a, uh, it boils down to whether you recommend something or not, but yeah. it doesn't go into what's the content itself and what it means you know, and as I think the show has gone on, that's what we ultimately steered towards was ensuring that people made sure that they were constantly looking at different films and, and looking at them in different ways. Uh, you know, but it's interesting because while there's loads and loads of podcasts and films and some are, are like ours and some are better than ours at doing this, you know, the, there's, um, this, the vast majority is just that recommendation based, you know, type of, of program. And that just shows what most people really want from a discussion is whether they should be a part of the discussion, you know? Yeah. Whether, you know, if you get a thumbs up, that thumbs up is just to premeditate whether you should even take part, you know? It's not about, it's not about ranking things or scaling things in utility. It's, 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 it's about finding out whether the conversation suits your tastes, you know? Yeah. And that's strange to me because surely you don't know until you've had the conversation what you're going to get from it. And I, that's that's what I mean. That's I think that a lot of what we see today kind of comes around onto itself and just sort of hinting that things are there, yeah. but never pushing people to actually do it, you know, take part. Yeah. Uh, and that might be a significant feeling in just maybe how we're, we're taught or in, in the media that we surround ourselves in or just whoever promotes that media who knows and i'm not saying we are the solution i'm just saying that that because we we absolutely indulge in that as well from time to time it's just that it's interesting it it, it, when leslie says that she can't she can't be bothered with that it's because we're all like that really you know and that's why it's easy to relate to because i i don't want to i want to switch off when I when I watch entertainment most of the time. Yeah, me too. You know, that's what you really want is because it's already in your face all day and you're you're already having to put your fingers in your ears just to get through. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because it also shows that maybe the approach of films like Jurassic Park isn't hard enough because sometimes the conversations are important. Maybe this one isn't. But other conversations are, you know, like, and, mm. and, and we won't know until you get past that thumbs up barrier. Maybe it shouldn't be, uh, maybe the, the, the media sort of has to think about exactly what nature it, it, it takes and how we, how people are supposed to approach it. And maybe it should just be a little more in your face with the facts and less gated. Like you see a news article, you'll see the title of the news article before you even read it. And you'll judge from that news article's title whether the rest of it matters to you. Yeah. Isn't that stupid? You know, like, does that make no sense? <laughs> like, like, surely you need that information if it's important, right? <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't have to uh, pick. <laughs> and it's weird now, because titles are chosen based on algorithms now as well. You know, how many, what, what type of words are going yeah, to get the yeah, attention? Exactly. Now it's worse. Like, oh, they're fuck. not even giving you, they're not even, the, the system doesn't even want to give you conversations that knows that you're not going to like. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, titles have to be a certain number of words, you know, otherwise you're going to lose people's attention. And it's like, wow, man. Exactly. I, I, I don't have a point to that. I just think that the, it, it does ultimately make me feel a little defeatist. But I totally agree with Leslie that I, I and I think that's kind of endemic in people. I, I, I'll agree with you, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not we're not shitting on other podcasts or anything like that. Not at all. Oh, no. It's not the point. But I, I wanted to be clear that I was trying to measure the fact that I think that our podcast is equally a waste of time. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The thing is, is that it brings me back to the Michael Crichton quote, quote, mm-hmm. you know, there, there was no pressing need to create dinosaurs. So people did it out of a want for entertainment. And I think that that's why we did. We, we created our podcast as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there was no thing. pressing need Unchecked for us ambition. to talk about movies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, so we did it out of a form of entertainment. And at the same time, I don't know. For now, the funny thing is, is that, you know, with season four, what I've been doing is trying to dial back on entertaining others, whereas I need to be entertained myself. Yeah, absolutely. And so... It's it's been a, a a fucked up process so far. Yeah, it's been a that bumpy recalibration road. that I'm looking. And that's at what here. I mean. That's uh, that also ties into our little social media conversation because that's exactly what they're trying to do is like fix things after they've started. Exactly. When really you kind of just need exactly to start again, same. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we keep trying to do is kind of like season four. All right, the whole format has changed now. Change the format, and maybe that will fix what what the yeah. problem is. You know, that's that's our approach, and I think that's what Jurassic Park wants people to do. Like scrap it. But go back and fix it, you know. <laughs> then put it back out when it's fixed. Is it fixed? We well, I mean, that's that's down to taste and preference. But I mean, you get what I mean. <laughs> We're doing better. That's all that I was trying to say. Psychologically, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not the Which show. Is, no, oh god, no. It's it's more rambly and, and fucking esoteric than it's ever been. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to hear what my favorite line in the film is? Go for it. If Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. That's my favorite line in the film. <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I just love what Malkin was like. He says, you know, what are you doing? He says, yeah, but if Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the yeah, pirates don't yeah. eat the tourists. And it just gave a wonderful image in my head of just these cannibal pirates. <laughs> my uh, my favorite line is Jeff Goldblum's helicopter laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's, a, there's an actual edit of that on YouTube where you can listen to 10 hours of Jeff Goldblum's oh I've heard a music, musical version of it and it's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, it's my favorite line. I know it was, I, it had to be written. <laughs> you think, you think, no. No, of course not. <laughs> it said, it said, um, Malcolm, Malcolm laughs. laughs. <laughs> yeah. And then he decides to snarl like this, laughing. This, yeah, this is my laugh. That he is. It's like, let, let's turn the audience against this creep and then after have, have him make sense. <laughs> yeah, earn them back, yeah. Give him the sexy shirt reveal. Yeah, that gave us the beautiful Funko. Oh my God, more advertising. No! Oh, no. <laughs> All right, so anyway, shall we close this out, sir? You can follow the show on social media. <laughs> make sure to subscribe and click that bell. Yeah, Atlantic SC on Twitter, Atlantic SC podcast at uh, on Instagram. Yeah. I'm keeping my name private for now, even though I named myself at the beginning of the show. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's it. So thank you guys for tuning in to our dismantling of whatever the hell Jurassic Park was. Yeah, this is the way movie. we choose to view movies. This is good, though. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh, it's it's um, uh, yeah. At least there was something in this one. <laughs> Uh, anyway so that's it for us this week take care bye bye (laughs) bye
this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.